Welcome to On the Hard Days, a podcast for mothers seeking community and support from those who get it. What if I told you that you are the best mother for your child? What if I told you that despite all the challenges and hardships parenting brings, you already have within you the tools you need to form a strong, positive connection with your child? My name is Megan Champion, and I'm a mother of three young children. I'm also a longtime elementary school educator. Not long ago, I believed I was a bad mother. I believed I was unable to meet my child's needs. I believed that no one understood what I was going through. Finding myself as a parent changed my life, and now I'm on a mission to empower mothers everywhere. Join me as I unpack parenting challenges I've faced and provide practical strategies and takeaways you can use today. It takes a village to raise a child, but mothers need a village too. On the hard days, support is right here. On the hard days, you are not alone. Welcome back. This is episode two entitled, Is It Me or Is It My Child? In the first episode of On the Hard Days podcast, I introduced you to my family and my three kids, and I talked a bit about my son. Specifically, I got into the worst parenting moment that I can think of when bad moments in parenting comes to my brain, right? I bet you can do the same thing. I bet if someone said to you, you know, name your top three most challenging parenting moments, you could think of them in a snap. I sure could, and I have more than one. But that one, the waffle story, oh man. If you didn't listen to it yet, go back and listen to it. See if it resonates with you, because it was really quite something. So for this episode, I wanted to talk about a massive issue that has haunted me for years. I, I feel like the creation of this podcast in some ways is entirely based on this episode. All the thinking, the reflecting, the discussing, the analyzing that I have done in the past five years really boils down to this question. Is it me or is it my child? So let me give you a little background. As you know, my son, Mr. Seven, was a challenge and has been a challenge since he was a baby. The toddler years were challenging in that I was starting to see these issues come out, but we still didn't quite grasp the severity of them. The preschool years, I would say, were extremely tough because he was able to talk more and in some ways do what all the other kids did, but yet there were certain aspects of his life that blew us away. And what I'm talking about here are meltdowns. And not just meltdowns, there are other things too, but meltdowns for him became daily. They became multiple times a day. They were zero to 10 in a snap, extreme anger over the tiniest little thing, like really challenging behavior. And I thought at first that it must be me. 
He and his twin sister are my oldest children, so I have no prior parenting experience, and I just assumed that I wasn't doing something right. Consulting friends and family and and the internet told me, maybe lay down the law a little harder. Maybe rule with an iron fist. Take charge. That's not me. (laughs) People who know me will, will know for sure that that's true. In teaching and in parenting, I struggle with that. I struggle to exert that authority on other people, even if they're children. And to this day, I'm really not sure that that's what I want anyway. I'm not sure I agree with it. But if I didn't take charge in some way, my son was taking over the house. My daughter was cowering in corners. She was scared. To this day, I believe that her anxiety does stem from this. And it's something that, as I said in the last episode, I will certainly be looking into and and doing whatever is needed to help her. But she has been traumatized from watching him scream. In fact, I have to just tell you, just this very evening, she told me that she feels bad that this, this stuffed animal that she has, well, Mr. Seven always wants it and she shares it with him, but she doesn't often share it with Mr. Four. And she said to me, I feel bad. I haven't been sharing it with Mr. Four. And I said, it's your stuffed animal. This is not a big deal. No, no problem. I'm sure you can share it with him in the morning and he'll be happy to play with it. And she said, well, I always share it with Mr. Seven. And I said, yeah, that's very nice of you to share. And she said, well, I feel like I have to because I know what makes him happy. And when he wakes up, he's grumpy. And I just want him to be happy. So if I give him this cat, it's a stuffed little wubbinub, actually, without the pacifier, but it's a a stuffed animal. If I give him the cat, then he'll be happy and he won't have a rough morning. That is Miss Seven right there. That is her to a T. And it's both this, you know, curse and this gift. She feels for others so deeply. And who else would you feel more deeply for than your twin? Yet that relationship, while they're close, they're definitely close. And Mr. Seven loves her, although he wouldn't say it. He won't admit it. I'm not sure it goes two ways to that degree. She bends over backwards for him, and she has since she was a toddler. He does not bend over backwards for her. And that's, it's concerning. I try to focus on those moments when he is very kind to her and loving and giving and and make comments to her like, look at how much you guys love each other. Look how special your twin bond is. You are so lucky to have each other. You know, comments like that and kind of catch him in those good moments. The love is there. It's not that but he struggles with showing it when it makes him feel weak isn't the right word, but like weak. He hates to feel powerless. He hates to feel vulnerable. There's the word I'm looking for. He can't stand vulnerability. Anyway, I digress. So she has been bending over backwards for him and and she was traumatized as a toddler, I think, by the massive amount of screaming this, this child did. So when those behaviors started at those toddler and then into the preschool years, it was like, is this me? Like, what am I doing wrong? And I I couldn't get a handle on him at all. Everything set him off. And certain things, I mean, I Googled and I consulted and I researched. It's like, is this, this seems like a sensory problem. Well, this seems like OCD. This is anxiety. Uh, You know, 
what is this? <laughs> is this normal? It was around four that I finally sought help through a psychologist. And I had taken my son to the pediatrician. I, we had discussed this multiple times. It wasn't really going anywhere. In fact, in this one classic moment of, is it me or is it my child? The pediatrician had an in-house, I'm not sure what her exact title was. It wasn't a therapist, a counselor. It was, I, I don't recall. Either way, it, she wasn't effective. And she essentially brought me into a room and my son and she had me describe the behaviors we were seeing, and she said, well, have you ever thought about giving him two choices? You know, if he fights over lunch, then you can say, well, you can have this or you can have this. And to her credit, like, I'm not mad, but I, I had to leave. <laughs> when you um, have a challenging child, so maybe some of you can agree with this, and this resonates with you. When you have a challenging child, there is nothing more frustrating than somebody giving you the most basic parenting 101 ideas that do not work. Give them two choices, you know, or like in my first episode, have them calm down by themselves. <laughs> Doesn't work. You know, that that can be very frustrating. Our kids don't take that normal parenting advice. They don't go with those societal norms. They are their own creatures and it's really hard to figure them out. So anyway, after consulting with the pediatrician and this woman, this in-house person um, who was not helpful, I said, I can't keep doing this. Now, he, Mr. Seven and Miss Seven went to a Montessori preschool, which was perfect for him, the way that the Montessori model was um, perfect for him and it met his needs very well. And I would check in with this teacher and I would say, you know, these are the things we're seeing at home. I mean, out of control. He's just angry. He's miserable. He's just, it's just sad. He's three, he's four. It's just sad. And she would say, oh no, we don't see anything like that. And I thought, well, well, that's good. I, I would rather have my child act out at home than in school. I stick by that rule now, but really nothing you don't see any of what we see? None of those meltdowns? And she said, no, she could see that he was shy and that he was reserved and that he was careful. And those things all are true. He is the most careful, least spontaneous person ever. Everything is done with perfect detail as he calculates in his head if it's going to bring him success or not. And so that part made sense, but no, she didn't see any of that sort of anger and aggression and lashing out and screaming. None of it. And that was both good and also frustrating. So as these behaviors continued, my husband and I got to a point, you know, we must do something. And I think I called the pediatrician multiple times and finally said, can I get him tested somewhere? And they referred us to a psychologist, child psychologist. This child psychologist was excellent and very experienced and spent the day with, or maybe, you know, the morning with Mr. Seven and did a lot of cognitive tasks and academic tasks and watched his behavior. And he was only four. And Mr. Seven loved it. 
because Mr. Seven got to show the psychologist all the things that he knows. And at this one point, the psychologist came out to me. I was sitting in the hallway in a chair, and he came out and he said, I'm not supposed to tell you any results now. You're supposed to wait until the report comes out, which, by the way, took literally like eight months to get that report. But anyway, he said, I'm not supposed to tell you this now, but your son is gifted. And I was like, gifted? Gifted in screaming? Like, what What kind of gifted? And he said, he is extremely bright. And I thought, okay, that's that's cool. I mean, of all the things that could be wrong, that's probably, that's probably uh, you know, the last thing I'd be concerned about. Sure, I'll take gifted. Awesome. Let's see what we can do with that. He is four. He didn't see, the doctor didn't see a ton of other things, negative behaviors. He certainly didn't see any lashing out. But from what I described and what my husband described, he sort of loosely diagnosed Mr. Seven with anxiety, but said he's very young, he should be retested in a few years, and you know we'll, we'll kind of keep going from there. So at four years old, I took this knowledge that he was gifted and possibly anxious, and I didn't do anything with it. The report came eight months later, like I said, I shoved it in a drawer. I noticed a little label on the front that said 2E, twice exceptional, but I didn't even think about what that might mean, and I didn't look into it at all. Of course, the behaviors continued. I have to say that we got some good parts of being four. Mr. Seven, all of a sudden, started to show his giftedness. And it was the first time that I saw positive behaviors from my child, which is kind of sad to say, I guess. He was gifted a world map and... I was like, well, this would be cool, but I don't know if my four-year-old twins will be into a world map. It was big. And I laid it on the kitchen floor before I had hung it up in his room, but I laid it out on the kitchen floor. And within minutes, he was on the floor looking at the states, looking at the countries, looking at the continents, the oceans. What's this? What's this? What's this? And I was explaining it to him and showing it to him. Fast forward two weeks, he had almost the entire map memorized. The map then hung in, actually it was their playroom, and he loved to play this game where I would simply say, point to and name a country. And he would nail it every time. He then learned the 50 states, he learned the capitals, and At one point, a few weeks after that, I printed him out a coloring sheet of a blank United States map. He couldn't really read yet. He had, you know, some basics, but but nothing major. So he couldn't really spell too well at that point, but he would ask me how to spell and, and he would be able to say, this is Alabama, this is Minnesota. And I would actually, I have this video, it's so cute. Maybe I'll put it up on um, my Instagram page and my Facebook group. I would love to share it. He is four and I'm saying, okay, go through the states. And he's pointing to his little colored map and he's jumping up and down as he names each state. It's the cutest thing. But I was blown away. This was the first time I had seen my son take an interest in anything. And not only did he take an interest in it, but he had a really good memory. 
In fact, what took the cake on this whole map thing was when he then went to his preschool. They had a map puzzle, the United States map puzzle, and he memorized all the colors of the pieces of the puzzle so that he came home, and I, I must have printed him out like five or six blank United States maps, but on another one, he colored each state at home the color that it was on the puzzle at school, all 50 states. And he would say, no, no, this one's blue. Like, this, is, this one's blue. This one's pink. So that was cool. It still didn't take away from his meltdowns, though. And so I think another podcast episode, I would definitely like to dive into the gifted issue. It is misunderstood. It is stereotyped. And it sounds like bragging. And it's, it's not at all. But at this point, I do want to make it known that this was the only thing he had that was positive, And I jumped on it. And so I am proud of his giftedness. And I was proud at that moment because it was like, yes, this is his thing. If only I could just find his thing. Whether it's animals or sports or I don't know, anything. This was the first thing, the United States and world maps. Okay, so is it me or is it my child? Well, at this point now, having been seen by this psychologist, I'm starting to think it's my child. But I still had doubts because he would be defiant. He would lash out in an aggressive way. He didn't hear the, you know, bad words, air quotes, in my home. And so he didn't have those sorts of choices of what to say to me. But he would he would come out with the I hate you's. And I think that that's pretty normal to an extent But does it also come with flipping deck furniture, Um, punching, wanting, wanting to punch the walls? I certainly wouldn't let him, but he once in the bathtub as a, he's probably three, with Miss Seven, um, pretty much tried to drown her. That was one of my other rock bottom parenting moments. I was right there. I was sitting there watching them play and he got mad at her and screamed at her and lost his mind and pretty much tried to drown her. These sorts of moments are traumatizing and they, they still are. And I hope Miss Seven doesn't remember that one. But it was like, well, could I be doing something differently in my home to curb these behaviors? Am I not showing him enough affection or is it the wrong type of affection? Because he's kind of picky about that. Do I not read him enough books about people taking care of others, showing empathy? Am I not modeling good behavior? I mean, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Our home is warm and loving and peaceful and slightly silly and occasionally hyper, but not angry. Where does this anger come from and how can I stop it? So then, after preschool ended, He went to kindergarten, and this was only last year because he's in first grade now. And I was like, well, this will be telling. Let's see how this goes. His kindergarten teacher was wonderful, very warm and caring and sweet. And just as I thought, Mr. Seven was perfect for her. He kept quiet, but perfect. The moment he would step off the bus, he 
would lose his mind in my car or on the walk home or whatever. He would just lose his mind. Sometimes we made it all the way to the garage before he flipped out, but sometimes he barely got in my car and the bus was still, you know, sitting in the sitting out there in the street and he was crying and screaming already. He transitioned really poorly from school to home. And as kindergarten went on, he transitioned really poorly from home to school. He would wake up screaming. He got off the bus screaming. And then he usually had a third meltdown around dinner or right after every day in kindergarten, which was only last year. So I think I'm still traumatized. This year has gone a million times better, but that's for multiple reasons and it has nothing to do with the teacher or the school. It has, I think, everything to do with me. And so this is what it comes down to. Is it me or is it my child? And the answer is both, but not in the way that I thought, right? So it's clearly my child. I've come to accept that in a good way. You know, I have three kids and I've told myself, I don't remember who said this to me, but someone did and they were like, hey, go easy on yourself. You have three kids and the other two aren't like this. And I had to laugh because it's true. You know, no one is perfect here and I'm not going for perfection. I'm going for functional. And two out of three are. And therefore, I relieved a little of that pressure off myself. Like it's, it's, it's my child, you know, and there's nothing wrong with him. It's not, it's not right versus wrong, but it's just life is hard for him. And I want to relieve him of that, that anxiety that he feels. In the same sense, is it me or is it my child? Well, it's also me, but not in the way that I thought. I thought I was a bad mother. I thought I was unintentionally neglectful, like I was missing something, missing whatever need he needed that I was not providing, whatever it was, the things that came naturally to me, like giving a hug when someone is hurt. He's angry when he gets hurt. He doesn't want a hug, but I didn't know that. And it took years to figure that out. I praised him for doing a great job. I'm actually going to do another podcast episode about that topic coming up soon. He cannot stand being praised unless he thinks he earned it. Those things I didn't know because most children do like praise. So that's not my fault. And I, once I relieved myself of that guilt, then I felt a whole lot better, but it took a few years to get there. But here's how it is me. Like, let's flip that coin. The other side to this issue is that once I accepted my son, truly accepted him, and stopped thinking, why can't he just? Why can't he just be like the other kids? Why can't he just go with the flow more? Why can't he just see the good instead of always finding the bad? When I finally let go of that and stopped trying to change him and instead accepted him at face value for what he was giving me and showing up as, then I started to be a kinder, warmer, more patient parent 
the parent that I always thought I really was, and I do think I truly am, but it was overshadowed by my own stress and anxiety and being overwhelmed and overstimulated by noise and all of those things. So my own parenting was stuffed underneath this level of stress. So accepting him led to accepting me. And accepting me led to being the parent that I always knew I was. And that's kind of the overarching point of my entire community, podcast, the Facebook group, the Instagram page, all of it. It's trying to help other mothers understand that it's not your fault. It's also not your child's fault. It's not a fault at all. This is your child. You love them unconditionally, and they are who they are meant to be. In addition to that, you are meant to be their mother. And so when you accept that on a deep level, that this just is, this is, this is the life that I have, this is the life that my child has, and you accept that, you let go the what ifs and the I wishes because nothing is going to change. You're not going to change your child, but what you can do is support them. And when you support them, you end up supporting yourself. You end up boosting your own confidence because it's like, look, look what I'm doing for my child. I'm meeting their needs. They might not have been the, you know, the needs that I thought, and I might not be meeting them in the way that I thought. But look, small miracles, small moments of success. And then you can say, I did that. I did that. The only person who knows them the way that only a mother can. Like, it's me. No one else. So is it me or is it my child? It's both. And once that guilt was shed from me, and that took years and it's really only been a recent development that I can say, you know what, this, this is my kid. This is my son. And he has so many wonderful qualities. And of course, I would love to talk about those too at some point. I don't want to always focus just on the negative and, and have you thinking that, you know, he's a massive challenge every second. He's not. But What I used to think is challenging, I almost don't anymore because I have accepted this and I've accepted myself. So what I want you to do going forward are a few things. First of all, I want you to consider your child and consider yourself as a parent. Have you blamed yourself for the way your child behaves and acts and and thinks and feels? Because if you have, you need to rid yourself of that guilt. And it takes time, so start slowly. But look for one positive thing today that you do for your child. Like, just start with one moment. What is one thing that makes that child crack a smile, give you a hug, tell you they love you, ask to play, ask to read a story, anything? If you look for that one tiny moment, pretty soon you'll notice that there's way more than one in each day. You'll start to notice those moments where your child is happy and content. Once you find those moments, 
that changes everything. Because you did that. You caused that. You supported that in your child. And that should be celebrated. Like, let's celebrate your child. Let's celebrate you as a parent, as a mother. And that's what I'm trying to do for me. And it's helped tremendously. So I want you to work on that. If this resonates with you and you feel like you get this on a deep level, start today, maybe through journaling or telling someone, feel free to DM me and reach out. I would love to hear your small moment success today, but find at least one and tomorrow find two and then report back. Okay. Additionally, if you wouldn't mind, I would be ever so grateful for each episode after you listen to it. I would love it if you could forward it on and pass it on to one mother. We all know a mother with children who have challenges. They can be small. They can be big. They can be temporary. They can be permanent. But we all go through it because it's pretty much every mother. And I would love it if you could send this episode to one mother that you think would benefit from hearing this message today. And every episode, I will likely ask for the same favor. In doing this, this creates that community. We all come together. We support each other in those challenging moments. And there's no shame or judgment involved. So please pass this on. Reach out to me. Have a friend reach out to me. And I'd be happy to share their story if they wished or simply offer a listening ear. I'm so grateful that you joined me today and are supporting my mission of bringing mothers together. If you haven't already, click the subscribe button and leave a review. This will allow even more people to find this podcast and join this community. You can also find me on Instagram at ontheharddays with a dot in between each word and on the hard days.com. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.